0: Welcome back to Chat with Leaders, where we're passionate about amplifying the voices of inspiring leaders who show us how to use influence as a force for good. I'm your guide for today, Jeff Bond, and I hope you had a healthy and joy-filled holiday season. We're excited to be delivering some fresh content again as we took a few weeks off to focus on family and launching our own podcast agency to help some of our clients launch their podcasts. We've been talking with some incredible leaders surrounding the B Corp conscious capitalism and purpose driven leadership community and are excited to play a part in expanding these movements. Conscious business practices and living out a higher purpose truly plays a huge role in building a sustainable future and having a positive impact for generations to follow. In this episode, we had the pleasure of sitting down with Brandon Hatton, the author of Conscious Wealth, Money, Investing, and a Financial Awakening for the Person Who Has It All. Brandon draws on the wisdom he's gained through his own experiences in life and amid his career as an investment advisor who endeavors to help his clients live abundant and intentional lives. We unpack some of Brandon's personal story of wrestling with the mindset of scarcity and the relationship with money early in his life and how that's really evolved into his career, book, and major lessons learned today about purpose-driven and conscious leadership. I would venture to say that this will hit home with most of you as it did with me. So strap in and enjoy today's chat with Brandon Hatton. Welcome to Chat with Leaders, Brandon. Hey, thanks for having me. My pleasure. You know, such a blessing to meet you when you spoke to the conscious capitalism community at the Russell Innovation Center for Entrepreneurs back in October. And I consider myself very fortunate now to be unpacking the story that we all heard uh, in person uh, to our audience. It really is a gripping story of your own journey with your family, your relationship with money, and some big revelations that you've had about how to balance all of that with your purpose. So thank you for this gift of time today.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've, I feel really fortunate to be able to, to share it. It's, it's amazing that, um, to think about that I'm able to do this and it can be part of my, um, livelihood, like my, Mm -hmm. it's more than a career. It's, it's just my, my, my life really. So it's great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's certainly going to have an impact for generations to follow. And we're all about developing our next generation of leaders because, you know, we have a limited time on this earth and it's going to be uh, at some point our responsibility to hand it off to them to carry us forward. So it really is a gift. And uh, I wanted to start by asking you through your book, Conscious Wealth, you've aptly highlighted that those with unlimited financial means are ironically often still operating from this place of scarcity. How has this resonated with your own personal story from growing up to your professional adult life thus far?
1: Yeah, I mean, and I can even just talk about right now, you know, we're all going through this pandemic. I haven't really been to the office since March of 2020. Now, I go there maybe once a month, twice a month or something like this, and then they say they're going to return or they're not. But it dawned upon me, and it, you know, shame on me, I guess, for a pandemic to make that happen that I can live anywhere. Now, technically, I can only live within the United States because of the way our business is regulated, but that's really difficult. It'd be so much easier if someone said you have to live in one of these three cities. This unlimited option has created more difficulty than I ever would have imagined. And it's been fun, but it's also in a weird way, kind of stressful. So that's what's happening now. Throughout the book, what I write about is, you know, my battles with scarcity. Inside of me is battling scarcity and abundance. This idea that there's not enough and that there is enough. I've been on all sides of that spectrum, voluntarily, so to speak. And then other times, no, as a a kid, I felt I was in a scarce world. Now, I know my family probably had i'm sure they had more resources than i thought but i just worried about money a lot as a kid and nobody told me to i just I just did. That made me kind of opt out of the money game. By the time I went to college and I became a teacher, I said, you know, I'm just going to work in this space where I don't really have to fight for money. I'm just going to have a salary. It's going to be sad. I'm going to do good in the world. That was great. Till I, I didn't like living on a limited salary and I felt limited career wise. And honestly, like all these kids are going on to do great things. And you're like, well, I want to do that too, you know? So, and then I moved on Wall Street, really. I mean, not literally, but figuratively, I work in financial services. And and I worked in the space where it's a very scarcity based place. And my first instinct, whether it's good or bad, is I kind of just meld into the environment until I kind of check where I am and check myself and recalibrate. And so when I went into wealth management, I was pure scarcity. Like I can't get enough working 15 hours a day, six days a week. On the seventh day, I put in a couple hours and having to find a balance with that. And what I'm most fortunate about in that career is by nature, especially as a younger professional, you're working with people who've financially figured it out in this world. I gained a lot of wisdom from my clients and kind of they taught me through conversations, through modeling or, or by, because I get an insight into their most personal lives. Um, I learned some other ways around abundance. And over the years I've, I've worked on calibrating.
0: And you said earlier this battle, and I think it really is an appropriate word. I've felt that tension in my life too. And I think a lot of the times we project that onto our children you know, for me, I've been in plenty of situations where I've had plenty, you know, I've got a great salary commissions, all that. And, and then I've recently made the decision to become an entrepreneur. And so times are a little bit more lean when you're building up, right. And you're kind of pre-revenue and all that. So, you know, I remember just talking to my daughter about, hey, we're not going to buy this because, you know, we're just making better decisions right now, but it creates worry and angst with her. And so making sure that, you know, we're not projecting that down through generations, that this is like just a scarcity versus abundance mindset and trying to to teach that healthy balance. I mean, I think for us as adults, we're still wrestling with that tension and, and many people are, uh, but at what point can you teach kind of that, that equilibrium, you know, that in between of knowing that uh, you can manage, you know, in plenty and in want.
1: Wealth is inherited, right? We know that some people That's we say making money the old fashioned way, like you, mm. you inherit it. And we know that what I also think about is anxiety and anxiety as it's attached to money is inherited. And the preface to this is every generation, in my opinion, because I'm an optimist, believes I believe that they were doing the best that they could. One of my grandmother's mother died when she was young, so she had to take care of the family. And that creates an anxiety. If you're a kid taking care of kids with a traumatic experience, that's still with me indirectly. I don't have kids, but I do have nieces and nephews, and I I work with other people's children in, in, in my business and through education. It gives an opportunity to create other narratives. And inject other ways of thinking about money, um, but I do believe that that is one of the that is one thing we inherit. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and so you you use the words both conscious and wealth in the title of your book, and often they're thought in contrast. Uh, so, how do they? Both of those words trigger people emotionally from what you found.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, wealth triggers people because, you know, it doesn't fail that, that somebody wealthy is always the one step ahead of you. That's all. That's that's the common answer, right? It's not always the case, but it's the common answer where you have somebody, I'll throw out a number with 10 million and they'll say, well, you know, I got enough money, but really wealthy is 20 million. Then you get into 500 million and they're like, well, the billionaires. And then you've got billionaires, you know, on all these podcasts saying, I want a 10x mind. What that does is create an otherness around wealth, and it, and it really minimizes your own financial resources when you have when you have that attitude. There's a lot of otherness around consciousness too. And you know, like I get a little self-conscious. I'm not going to lie to you writing a book about consciousness because I'm full of errors as much as the other person, not always balanced and uh, sometimes lose track of myself. What I could say is, well, I'm not conscious. Everybody, you know, that person on a hill is, or that priest is, or that shaman is. But to understand that if, if we're just talking about consciousness being an awareness that, that there's more to life than you and more to life than this life and the things we can buy, then that creates a polarity between the things we can buy on earth or the wealth or financial assets and otherness. I've always struggled with this idea that uh, how to be in the world, uh, but not of it. And there's one answer, which is many of the saints or prophets just gave up everything. And I think that's a solution for very few people. And so not downplaying that because it is a powerful way to live your life. Also, very difficult is to live with financial assets. And still be having awareness that there's more and to do, and to work to do good, so to speak, with that. Be a good yeah.
0: steward of those resources. And I'm glad that despite your tension, you decided to write that book in the first place. What or who kind of motivated you to get started with that work? And how has that kind of fundamentally changed your thinking, you know, to the, today's current world, which you touched on earlier with this kind of remote work and all of that? But what was the impetus?
1: You know, I think you said fundamentally changed. I don't know who to attribute this quote to might be Seth Godin because I love him. So I would just, I'll just give him a hat tip anyways. But the idea that or the person who learns the most from the book is the author. And then, you know, a lot of people compare their books to their child. Like I'm having a baby and Again, I don't have children, but I do know because I was a teacher at one time that your responsibility level raises once you have them. You know, <laughs> And so now I have this book out in the world and yeah, it does remind you of those standards you've created. It's a manifesto. Again, hat tip to Seth is like, it's a manifesto of what I believe in the world and it could have been done. In a white paper, Uh, I did it as a full book. It was very important in this book to bring out personal stories. I didn't want it to be just theoretical. There's plenty of it out there and there are people who do that. But the point of my book was to examine my life in relationship to money and see how those experiences shape my beliefs now and to ask other people or invite other people to do it. And you can't invite other people to do something unless you do it. And you can't do it yourself or I can't do it without learning from it. Uh, And it has brought up conversations in the family. It's created growth internally. I mean, honestly, it's the thing I'm most proud of in my adult life is publishing that a book. You
0: ought to be. I think there's, there's a lot of great wisdom in that. And the reality is that the only constant is change in this world. And so I think it's okay to give yourself permission to even change slightly the thinking, but to also live it out. And, but it's important to pass down those stories because, you know, people stopped dead in their tracks to hear a story because it's relatable versus that kind of fundamental, practical, whatever word you use earlier of, uh, trying to just, like give you a five-step plan I don't think that resonates with people as much at least anymore I think that's really run its course and you know I think it's um interesting how you still wrestle with like self-examination and, uh, and and looking at the world and how you are of the world. I see that a lot on your Instagram and, you know, just the way that we've kind of kept up, you know, since we last spoke. So how do you personally do that? How do you wrestle with this fear of scarcity and answer the question that you pose to our group, which really you know a lot of people struggled with i think was how much is enough
1: so there's two questions in there how much is enough which is a really big question and then how do i continue to examine those beliefs i can give examples i'm always like what's happening right now just this week i started to have internal conversations with the part of me that was afraid of money and i i thought about like when's the last time i was really fearful of money caveat i understand i'm in a very blessed situation like i don't on a day to day basis have to worry about making ends meet. And and I do believe that this book was written for people that do not practically have those. They may have those worries in their mind, or they may have those worries within them. Again, there are study after study that shows there's a certain amount of money, depending on where you live and what the size of your family, where more money isn't going to make you happy. Going back to the original question or or looping back, I went back to when was the last time I was really worried about money? And it it was in Sao Paulo. I was living there Ah, uh, two thousand and eight, I was looking for an apartment. At one time, I thought, well, you know, I'm an American in a foreign country. this should be easy. I'll be able to find an apartment, but this is one of the capitals of the world, and I could not find an apartment that I could afford. It really bummed me out. It was a f- sense of powerlessness that I couldn't live in a city that I wanted to, uh, in a safe place. You know, I go back to that state of mind. I mean, I remember walking the streets and I have a conversation internally with that person and say, like, what were you worried about? And saying also, well, do you see me now? Are you still worried? This is my dialogue that we had back and forth. Where should you go now? Like, what do we what do do, this person who worried about money all the time? What use do you have right now in my life? And, and the truth is they provided a lot of value because it helped me become very successful in my career. Now, there could have been other ways to do it, but this person, this scarcity mindset really helped me build. And I see that a lot. Some of the wealthiest people, and again, wealthy is a big word, but some of the people with the most financial resources um, didn't come from it and, and really battled for it because they had that desire. But as we say, what got you there won't get you necessarily where you want to get to. Speaking to this 2008 Brandon, do we really still need you here? And the answer is thanks for everything you've given me, but I kind of need you on the sidelines now and I'll call you in if we need to worry about money. But right now, any type of worrying about money isn't helping me get to my goals because my goals is to live a thoughtful, intentional life with a positive impact around me. And I can't do that if I'm using bandwidth to worry about a fear that's not really worthy of my time. Does that Does that make sense? Does that help?
0: Oh, entirely. And and I've certainly wrestled with those those tensions as well. And I think sometimes it's a gift to to go back and self-examine those times of having a scarcity mindset or more anxiety and and coming back to that. I think sometimes there's a little PTSD that kind of surfaces unwillingly into your mind, you know, from all of that. And so you talk a lot about uh, once you do accumulate wealth, sometimes a great way to to steward that is is to give and to serve or to pick, you know, areas where you can uh, really have an impact uh, with what you've accumulated. Do you think that that's a good anecdote in some way? Or how have you seen that play out in in your life? I mean, I
1: absolutely think that that is true, that you need to give. And I put a big pause there, like give, because um, way on the other end of the spectrum, which we spoke of before, is just give money away. That is an extreme. It's taking something you have and giving it to someone else. And oftentimes it's hard to go to that level on the spectrum if you're not close to it. So what can you do before then? Sometimes part of it is giving to yourself or investing in yourself and your own sense of purpose. Uh, There are countless, uh, oftentimes, or in my case, I can tell you that there were times where I was making, and even sometimes today, of course, I have the financial assets for something, but I I just don't feel right giving it to myself or I don't feel right right treating myself. And so instead of saying, well, I'm just going to give everything that I want is thinking, well, what would bring out the truest sense of Brandon? And let's invest in that, whether that's an educational program, my health, uh, mental or physical. So giving to myself or investing in myself, investing in others around me, like my family, investing in my community, investing in the people in my business. All of these are ways that I can transform money into something beyond a lifestyle, just something beyond living on a beach, which I got nothing against. I'd like to do it one day, but something beyond that. And so you're transforming it into my sense of abundance, transforming it into my sense of purpose, transforming it into the purpose of others, allowing other people, like you speak of, the other generations to get to where you've gotten in terms of a sense of financial and emotional and physical well being. Along that way, you can also give to nonprofits or you can invest your money in a way like an in impact investing or all this different type of stuff that we could talk about but what's really important and that when i started i said give the idea is that it's not just oh well the, the anecdote to this is give all your money away the anecdote is all along the way finding where you fit on that spectrum and continuing to evaluate it i continuing to impact others i'll just say one more thing i hear this stuff all the time it's just total malarkey is like this self-made millionaire. You know, like that's the loneliest thing I can ever think about working in financial services or working in owning your own business can already sometimes be lonely because you are a leader. And so why would I even try to make it lonelier by saying I did this myself? It's just, I do not uh, ascribe to that at all. I'm very, that's one of my triggers. Let's be honest.
0: (laughs) That's very conscious capitalism of you to, to think about it being stakeholder oriented, that you're made possible by the people around you that you want to honor and, and attribute uh, success to as well.
1: Yes, all of that is true. And it's my parents and my parents' parents. And mm-hmm. it's people I've never met before who help give money to the school that provided a scholarship for me uh, in high school. It's, there's so many people that impact my life and everybody's lives. It's a stakeholder
0: approach for sure good words of gratitude. If someone uh, wanted to go buy your book, Brandon, and just learn more from your wisdom, which I would highly recommend, where would you direct them online and and what are some ways that they can follow your leadership?
1: Great. Thanks. Um, well, my website is my name, brandonhatton.com. And so there are links to the book and to um, the newsletter that we put out every two weeks. And then, and of course you can buy the book, Conscious Wealth on any of the major outlets that they sell books
0: well brandon it's been such a gift i can imagine multiple conversations with you uh, around conscious wealth building and how to be a good steward and conscious leader and you really are a remarkable leader out there that's uh making a big difference and so i thank you again for your gift of time and for sharing with our listeners today
1: yeah well thank you and all the work that you do in cultivating leadership and and giving me an opportunity to share the message
0: appreciate it well that wraps up another edition of chat will leaders thank you for investing your time with us Today, If you haven't already, we would be grateful if you shared this episode with a friend and rated it on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts so we can pass down the wisdom from our guests to more aspiring leaders. If you're interested in launching a professional podcast to grow your business, we would love to help. Check out chatwithleaders.com for more information and feel free to reach out by emailing team at chatwithleaders.com. Thanks again and go be a leader worth following.